Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, happy Friday. Welcome to Last Chat. I'm Leisha, and I'm here with my right hand, left hand, Miss Tony. Hey, T. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, Leisha? Thank God it is Friday, girl. Um, I try to I try to throw a little curve with you lot, ladies. Happy Monday. <laughs> Wait, I was like Monday. I was like, you sure been working hard. That mind you, I didn't read the whole thing. I was like, you sure been working hard. She don't know this was Friday. <laughs> oh, I just needed to just put a little humor in there because, girl, it's been a long week. But I'm so thankful we're back on the air tonight. It seemed like we were just healish. I know, I know. Happy to be back, happy to be back. We always have a good time. We got a fabulous, fabulous show today. We're talking about that pen stroke. We got three fabulous authors from Michelle. It's going to be a hot show Mm. today. Yes, I like that that topic, pen stroke, because uh, actually it can go in all types of directions with this color ink. So I'm going to be interested in here with the guests have to say about that topic tonight, Leash. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we always have a reference book um, for the day, but these are mm-hmm. serious references. These are references that I think every author should have, even every publisher, but most of, mostly every author, um, because they are essential for you to understand um, business things. When you're mm-hmm. when you're tending to business, and a lot of times authors get their contracts and they don't read them, and if they read them, they don't understand them. So I have mm-hmm. two books. Um, I think it's Kirch's Handbook of Publishing Law and Kirch's Guide to Book Contracts. So this is for authors, publishers, editors, agents. It's, it's for everyone across the board. But these are um, important things to have because if you're curious about um, your contract and what something means, 
you can always have your own reference. It's good to know what it's good to know what you know because you know it. Um, you can always ask your publisher, but you should have an understanding on things that go on around you. So those I both mm-hmm. I got both of those books off of Amazon. So check those out. Okay, and what's those names again? At least I have Hard Handbook of Publishing Law. Uh huh. Kirch's Guide to the Book Contract, and then Kirch's Handbook of Publishing Law. And these are for authors, publishers, editors, agents, all of the above. Um, it's good to have mm-hmm. an understanding on what's going on around you, who, what, when, where, and why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are our two references for the day. And we so appreciate these references that you give us every week because, you know, you never know who they may be helping and where people are along in their journey. And uh, sometimes we're like, oh, that sounds interesting. I could use that. At this moment, you could be helping somebody. So we hope you guys are enjoying the references as well. Absolutely. And I do appreciate you guys because I do get inboxes. You know, they'll they'll say, what was that book again? I didn't quite get that. You know, or thank you. I mm-hmm. went and got that book. It helped me so much. So I just mm-hmm. really like to be able to help people um, do do whatever it is that they need to do. And it, mm-hmm. it understanding helps make things make things easier um, for everyone. That's true. And a lot of people, you know, they they don't help, and it's a great uh, contribution when you can help somebody because it doesn't take much to help. You know, it really doesn't because it comes back at you tenfold when you're able to help somebody because Absolutely. you never know when you may be in need in need of help. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Now, it was funny because we're having Nika Michelle on, and she's gonna we're gonna do that book talk with her. Um, mm-hmm. She post and um, I'm about to go back to the post. It was a writer's. Uh, it was a writing tip for authors, and it was she said readers hate repetition. You don't mm-hmm. have to start all sentences off with a subject. She, I, I, or she, she becomes redundant. You can start a sentence with a verb or preposition also. Example, she grabbed the steering wheel and pressed the gas hard. The option that she gave was grabbing the steering wheel. She pressed the gas hard. I love that she did that um, because a lot of authors use she, 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 he, 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 um, and they don't, like, show the action so that you can feel like grabbing the steering wheel hard. So if you're visualizing everything, now you're visualizing grabbing it, you know, not she or he, because really you know it's she or he depending on who's talking. That's true, and that I, I, I as well. You know, when I'm editing something, I get so much, I get feel like I want to just rip my hair out when I keep saying I or the same word repetitively like then or or maybe or said, he said, she said, we said. (laughs) You got to use your words and not overuse them at the same time, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And count. Count the words that you're using. Not just he, 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 she, she, she. That should be in rotation um, with the author, with the character's name. Because some Mm -hmm. people overuse the character's name. And they should be using he or she or something like that. However, any word, say it. Say it is dead. If you see that you are using a word 
more than 10 times. I'm going to say more than five times in one or two pages, then you need a new word for that. Like you got to change mm-hmm. the word. You shouldn't be using it. She said this. He said that. They said this. They said that. They said, uh, There's so many other ways to use other words in the position of said and mean the same thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. That's, and that and it gives you a chance to to ex, you know expound on your vocabulary because vocabulary mm-hmm. and authors go hand in hand. You gotta you gotta mix it up in order to keep the story relevant and fresh. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that. Now, we're gonna do this um, clip for today, and it's gonna be um, why authors can't sleep. Um, and that goes with our topic, pen stroke, uh, because a lot of times characters are talking to the authors. You know, sometimes some can focus, some cannot, but whatever it is going on in your head comes out in your pen stroke if you're mm-hmm. not organizing your thoughts and your ideas. So we're going to use the clip that we got from T-Styles. Shout out okay. to T-Styles for allowing us to utilize the clip that was on her um, YouTube page. So I really appreciate T-Styles for allowing us to use her clip. We're going to use the clip, Why Authors Don't Sleep. And then we will be back with our first guest, KC Blaze. All righty. I can't believe this bitch gonna sleep all day. That last scene was whack, but if you wanna stay in bed, you know, that's on you. Me and my man got a question. Now, can you really put your legs behind your head, or is that being a bit presumptuous? On page 22, you said that the print could be seen through the jeans. Now, I'm not sure if that's possible. Can you take a look? Fuck it then, the shit's on you. On behalf of all of your thoughts, we would like to enter a formal complaint. On pages 9, 22, and 33, we don't believe that Jamal is Zoe's type. How did you form this conclusion? In addition, we would like to see Shantae's breast size a little bit bigger. No offense to none of the other ladies. Just get the hell out. You know what time it is. <laughs> that is like my favorite clip. You know, it's a visual. If you go on Peace Styles' YouTube page, it is there. She gives a visual, which is awesome for a reader, because I think it helps us to understand authors. And when authors say they can't sleep or understanding why it takes them a certain long to a certain amount of time to produce um, a book or even um, character development, how how characters are developed in an author's mind. So I love that clip. I love the fact that she allows us to use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love it. I Absolutely. love it. And I think that's just like, 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead, see. And in addition, and in addition to that, Lisa, you know, they should check out our archives because she gave us an awesome interview. It was one of our first yes, in, in, in a while. So please check out our archives. With uh, it was just it was just phenomenal. The the nuggets that she dropped is it, it was just it was such a pleasure to have her on the show. So please check out our archives and look for her show. Absolutely, absolutely. It was great having her. She had time. Um, mm-hmm. We we love these styles. I love her pens. Uh, I love the authors that have those universal pens um, mm-hmm. where they snatch up multiple genres in one book, and she's one of those authors. She could take you to Africa, bring you back, drop you on a street corner, take you to Wall Street, drop you in the office, bring you on back to the street corner. I mean, awesome, awesome, awesome author. Now we got another awesome author, our first guest in the chat room, Casey okay. Blaze. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the chat room. Hello, Hi. everybody. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Well, thank you for blessing us with your time. Uh, no problem. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, for all of those that don't know who Casey Blaze is, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. And your work. Um, well, Casey Blaze is that is me. I am the author of over eighteen titles. Popular is currently is your husband's name. Did we lose her? I can't. I was about to ask you because I can't hear it. Did we lose her? Oh no, me either. If she can hear well, us, let her, you, we can't hear you. Right, are you on mute? You might have right. muted your phone. And can you guys hear me now? Am, yes, we can hear I you hear now. now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay, you that's better. I, I apologize. Count it to my area. I, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but what I was saying is I'm the author of 18 books. Um, right now, my most popular currently is Your Husband, My Man, um, that is a five-part series with a three-part spinoff. I'm also the owner of UrbanFictionNews.com, and that is a an online magazine that basically helps authors, publishers, small press, anyone who's trying to um, get their literary business, because writing books is a business. So it helps them with all types of information from the book cover to the marketing strategy. Um, and I'm also the owner of Casey Blaze Publishing as well. So I do also publish myself and a few other authors also. Oh, my, you are busy. It's some great busyness as well. <laughs> I try to keep busy. That's the only way I can function. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you have an interesting title here. You said you have 18 Books, Your Husband, My Man, just that title alone would grab me in the store and want to flip it over <laughs> and read what it's about. So in, just tell us in a few words what that book is about because it sounds like it's hot, at least with five parts and three spinoffs. Yeah. Um, it's basically the, my writing style. I try to give you drama, but I give you a life lesson within the drama. A lot of times we'll hear, think about it, when you hear your husband, my man, you know that there is going to be a level of drama drama there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a story about a woman who messed up, and as a result, she's, she is um, transferring her anger from the decisions that she's made onto her husband 
And it kind of propels things into a situation where he now cheats on her with her best friend. Um, It's such a deep story because I try to dig a little bit deeper than just the the on-the-surface drama that you see, that you get. And I talk Mm -hmm. about the um, deconstruction of family life, of marriages, how things go wrong. A lot of times we just get the shock value of, oh, he's cheating or she's cheating. But I'm giving you the breakdown of that relationship. And then I break them down just to build them back up. So that's always Mm -hmm. very fun for me. Wow. Now, this is Tony. I love that concept. And um, what type of research did you have to go through in order to get that point across? Because it sounds like it's like everyday life. And like you said, you give lessons in that in that between those pages. So what type of research did you do? Well, um, as far as the first thing that I did was, before I even started the story, the first thing that I did was I went to my competition reviews and I, I, I wanted to see what my competition was doing, but I didn't want to get the positive feedback. Positive, other people's positive feedback very seldom helps me. So I went to all of their negative reviews and I wanted to see what the reader was saying was lacking from that story. And the general consensus was they didn't want pornographic lovemaking scenes. They did not want you know, excessive profanity, and they also wanted more backstory. So now that I was armed with that information, I was able to directly give them what they wanted. And I honestly believe that is the reason why that story does so well, um, is because I listened. I followed instructions. I followed the reader, what they wanted out of a story. Um, So that was my primary level of research. Um, Secondly, I... I know some people, I've lived some things, I've experienced some things, and I also mm-hmm. have a degree in psychology. I just kind of mixed them all together. <laughs> That's what we came back with, um, that whole concept of the story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, Leisha, I just want to say she is the epitome of what we say about one- and two-star reviews, and she has turned those negative reviews into a five-part series. Did you hear what she just said, girl? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I heard it. I'm telling you right now, I'm one of them readers. If it's going to be nasty, let it be nasty. If not, send me at the Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? If it's an erotica story, you're okay with it being vulgar, you know. But right. if it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not, erotica. I personally prefer for it to be tasteful. I want steamy. I want sexy, but I don't want it to be raunchy. And there is kind of a difference. And as an author, you got to kind of know your audience and you got to know the balance of that. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And you got to keep it relevant. Otherwise, people are not going to continually come back for it. Exactly. I wouldn't. I know that to be true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it takes, you know, you, you don't want to have to be wasting your time because reading is, 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 a, is a pleasure for me. And I, and I enjoy when I have those few minute, minutes to do so because that's my, that's my downtime. That's me time. And I want to be transformed into another world, but I want to enjoy that transformation and not just be reading some words on a page, if that makes sense. <laughs> right. No, it's true. Um, I say that all the time. Writing is actually, we look at writing, we're like, okay, a writer, and that's great. But writers, a good writer is a great magician. And what I mean by that is if I can get you to read, and then within your living room or your bedroom, wherever you're reading, if I can take your mind on a journey and make you forget 
where you are, if I can provoke an emotion from you, if I can create in you an anger when I want anger, a tear when I want you to cry, any of that, I am, I'm doing a, a mighty magic trick. And I really, I live by that. I knew that when I was eight years old and I still live by that. That's literally what motivated me um, mm-hmm. to want to be a writer. I saw that it was magic. Mm-hmm. And magic Absolutely. Is. Now our topic today is pen stroke. Tell us what makes your pen stroke stand out against others in your genre. I know that you make sure that you listen to the reader, but what are some of the the key uh, characteristics of your pen? One of the major things that distinguishes me from someone else is I absolutely enjoy um, provoking the emotion that I want from you. So what I do is my pen, it includes me listening to music. It includes me putting myself in a mindset. If my characters are going through something and they are, you know, it's an emotional moment, I don't care where you are. I want that moment to feel like, as you're reading it, that you start to cry, where all of a sudden you feel like if a character dies that I, I knew would touch you in a way, I want you to feel like that was, you lost somebody. You know, you read that and you cry. With, with the type of gusto of you actually losing someone. And I've had people come to me and tell me that, you know, I've had people mad at me for killing characters. They didn't want to die. Um, and they tell me very, very explicitly, they let me know that they didn't appreciate that. So that lets me know that I did a job well done. I love to make you either hate the victim, love the victim, feel bad about the victim, not have any empathy for the victim. I like to play on your emotion. And I think when I do that and I do it successfully, um, it keeps you coming back to me. And I think that's what distinguishes me from another person. Yes. And in that same <laughs> mode, give us three to five power words to describe your pen. I would say my pen is seductive. My pen is the truth. My pen is emotional. My pen is, um, it's raw. And my pen is, this would be a two word, it digs deeper. So I don't just ever give anybody on the surface. I want you to get something meaningful at the end of reading anything that I write. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, I don't know if you noticed it, but she is confident in her pen because she threw those five words Four, five to six power words off with flawlessly. That's my kind of author, girl. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. She know what it is. She like, mm-mm. Yes. Let me tell y'all, I know what I got going on over here. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to pick up a book, go ahead on one click, stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I feel like if I can get you to read part one, I've made a fan. I've made a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident in my work. I know, first of all, that my stuff is not for everybody. I don't ever go in publishing anything thinking that my writing is for everyone else. It's, you know, I write for myself, but I know mm-hmm. that if I can provoke, for example, I have written books, put them down, went back to them, and I cry on parts that I knew was a crying scene, but not because, because the emotion hits me when I'm reading it. So if I can mm-hmm. convince myself, okay, then I know that I can convince someone else. And so I write for myself first. Um, and then I, I, you know, hopefully when I put it out to the world, 
it comes back to me. Somebody else is touched by it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is why I'm confident. I've known, like I said, since I was eight years old, that this is what I was going to do. I knew it at Mm. eight years old. And I've not changed that, you know, since then. Wow, that's awesome. That's that's dedication. It is. Um, You know, when you, a lot of times when we're children, we have 50 million ideas of what we want to be, and we change it 50 million times by the time we become an adult. Um, Uh I was blessed with, you know, with a father who was a reader, and he he Uh instilled that in me. He shared, that's how him and I connected. Um, uh-huh. And as a result, it kind of helped develop my love of reading. And uh-huh. when, you, when you're when you a reader, um, it's something about reading words that are powerful or that provoke something in you or that transfix uh-huh. you and puts you somewhere else. Um, and I it wanted does. that. So I knew that it, from then. <laughs> uh-huh. It does. And, you know, it's powerful when, the, when a child sees a parent reading and that just kind of transfers on to that child because as a child my mom was always reading so that's where I got my love for reading and I read those early like Donald Goings and all of mm-hmm. those books but I didn't even realize that I was reading a genre that I would later in life come to, to love to me it was just a book back then you know right. so mommy reading so let me read what she's reading <laughs> you know you have that and then to see that that love of literature transferred to your child mm-hmm. and see I was even Absolutely. before I could read my father, my father would sit me up on his lap I was like maybe between three and five years old I didn't know how to read and he would hand me uh-huh. these big old books and say here you should read it it's a good book and I would open it up and pretend to read right along with him and <laughs> until I could read <laughs> you know until I actually I could love read that. <laughs> but that's what he used to do that was that was him and I connecting uh-huh Wow, that's awesome. Now that is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't see that often. Now, you, mm-hmm. you're a publisher as well. What are the, some of the challenges uh, that you run into? Because not only do you publish others' books, but you are writing at the same time. Can you talk about a little yeah. bit of the challenges that you run into uh, wearing both hats? Well, the first challenge is that writers are divas and divos. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and I say that in the best way. But, you know, and I understand it because I am a writer. We want our story mm-hmm. to be told how we want it to be told. Um, and we kind of take offense. We are very offensive because nobody wants to have anybody say, hey, your baby is a little bit ugly right here, so we need to fix that. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to mm-hmm. hear that, you know, about mm-hmm. their baby, their book. So, you kind of have to, you have to coddle them, but you have to be firm with them because you're putting, I, you know, if you're the invest, you're investing in their project and their dreams, but you have to understand it's also a business. So though I want to see you succeed, I also want my money back. (laughs) So Uh uh I have to kind of, you have to, you have to battle. It's a balance. It really is a balance. Um, Another thing I think is that it takes away from what I want to do. So I'm the type of writer who I write four and five books at the same time. So sometimes working with other people, it slows down my project. And that's something that's a little bit hard to, to have to deal with as well. Wow, you work on four to five books at the same time? Now that's a balancing act, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
And it's the only way I can do it. If I'm working on one book, I lose focus very, very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Just as fast as my brain can tell me another story. I always say this, and people might think it's weird, but when new characters start to talk to me, I have to write until they're done talking. And then I can go to mm-hmm. the next, you know, back to the other book that, that I was writing. And it actually is the only thing that helps me with writer's block. Mm-hmm. Wow, then that kind of goes to our topic, that pen stroke. Now, when you're in the process of writing, and I'm sorry, we try to introduce ourselves. This is Tony because people say we sound alike. But when you're you in do. the process <laughs> of writing, <laughs> and uh, do you have some type of ritual, some type of, how do you write an outline or just as you as it goes, free flow? How do you write when you have so many projects open at the same time? I I generally do not write an overview I don't I that doesn't work for me at all it slows me down I am just mm-hmm. just right and that's what it when I say my characters talk to me um if a character when I first come up with a story I say that that is my character that character is telling me it wants you know it wants me to tell their story so I write mm-hmm. it until they they are silent and then I free to put it down you know I always generally say they always talk to me for about the first three chapters and then they mm-hmm. release me for a while, and then I can go over to the next book and then finish out that story. Um, I mm-hmm. literally have five stories with all three chapters written, and now I'm free to go and start, you know, finishing them out. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just the, the way I do it. And I generally listen to music as well. Music plays an extreme part in my writing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can Absolutely. put a, a song to, to your latest your your husband, my man, what song would you put that to? I, there's a few songs in there. I have some lovemaking songs in there that I've listened to, and I'm like, you know what? Oh, my God, I think I need a man. I, then I have some songs that where there was a high-speed chase, and I'm listening to Beanie Siegel. It just kind of depends on what, what where we're going in the story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just depends. I listen to a, a variety of things, but based on what we're doing in the story at the time. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, are there certain characters that you would like to go back um, to or even certain themes in the book or ideas that you would, you'd love to just maybe work on a little bit more or you wish you would have changed up a little bit? Um. As far as change, I, I feel like once the story is, is told, it generally is where it is. I think the only thing that I would do, I have this ongoing love affair with a character in Platinum Dust. It's a book that's closest to my heart. And I felt some type of way about writing that conclusion in part three. I released it, but I feel like he was the character that I could let go on and on and on and on forever. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was a sad thing for me to let, you know, finish out the story in part three. But I recognized that my readers deserved an ending. So I gave them their conclusion, but it hurt me to give it to them. (laughs) Because I just, I love that character. That's your baby, huh? That is my heart, that character. (laughs) I love him for that, I promise. Yeah. That's nice. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the online magazine that you have going? Sure. Um, it's urbanfictionnews.com, and it started out because I was writing Platinum Dust, and I was looking for a platform that I could promote 
And then I said, I don't want to be the, the, the person who just writes about themselves all day. That gets old. People don't want to hear about that all the time. So I said, well, what can I do? And I was going back and forth with the idea of self-publishing. So I said, I can't, you know, I need to find a good, um, I wanted to find a good book cover designer, a good editor that would work with urban fiction or African-American drama. And I couldn't barely find anything. So I said, the idea, will you become the resource? You put all of this information in one place so that your people have a resource that they don't have to search and go through as, as much heartache and looking through the internet, combing through the internet to find it. And so that's what I became. I became the, the person who I would tell you what you need, why you need it, and then links to go, you know, this is where you need to go to get it. And so it kind of grew beyond what I was hoping it would grow into. And mm-hmm. I'm very proud to say that it provides information, like I said, from the best, most affordable book cover designers to the best editors to the best, you know, where you can go to get PR help, where you can go to get, you know, I break things down. Um, that's one of my gifts, gifts. My mother tells me that um, research and being able to explain things in a way that people can understand it is one of my gifts. And so I freely give that away. I don't, you know, that information is free. Um, and I hope it's beneficial to everybody who touch it. Wow, that is awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to switch gears a little bit. Because everybody is talking about this this fly shenanigans. So he got this video that he posted about when you break up. And he says the first, what do you say, 48 to 72 hours, that everything still belongs to him. What are your views about that? It, does he mean everything as, as in regards to um, his partner's mm-hmm. physical being? <laughs> everything. Say, everything belongs to him. <laughs> That's okay. In, men, in, in his mind, he can have everything over there in his mind. It does belong for as long as he can daydream about it. Um, but the reality of the thing is that it doesn't, you know. Um, it's just interesting. People have things. I've had ex-boyfriends say things like that. Um, but I'm saying you're an ex for a reason. We're no longer together for a purpose. So mm-hmm. the only place I belong to you will remain in your mind <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I know that. That was so shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's just crazy. Oh, goodness. Now, tell us a little bit about what made you, um, when you decide to pick up your pen and actually be an author, what was going on in in Casey's life at that time that made you say, I'm going to go for this? It's so funny because the first published actual, I've been writing all this time, but the first time I decided I was going to take it serious and try to create an actual book was at the end of a relationship. Um, At the time, my ex was trying to propose, and he didn't want to talk about anything serious. And so I I asked him the question. I said, well, why would I predestine myself for divorce? And that literally stuck. And we broke up, and my first book published is Are You Predestined for Divorce? And it was basically talking about the things that, you know, you talk about with your girlfriend or, you know, how we, we will be with someone who we think is absolutely gorgeous and will bypass and overlook and keep those rose colored glasses on while they're showing you who they are, but you can't see it. 
And so we'll mm-hmm. tolerate intolerable, you know, things and actions from a person that we might be highly attracted to. And mm-hmm. that's what that story came from. So it took me a year to write that. And it was the most, it was the most tedious task to date as far as writing, because it was a nonfiction and I wanted it to be as authentic and close to the truth as possible. But that was the moment um, when that, when that idea, when I asked him that question, it stuck with me so much so that I had to write it down. Mm, that's powerful. And what were the reviews like on that, on that book? The story, and you know what? It's interesting because what happened is it, it was mixed. It was mixed. The reviews, men have a tendency sometimes to, they were a little bit upset, like I was trying to throw shade, but I wasn't. And then women were like right on. And then some people of both sexes were a bit upset um, Mm -hmm. because they felt like, well, I was talking too much. I was telling too much of the truth. And because I don't sugarcoat, you know, I have friends who, for example, They'll be in a relationship and they'll be like, oh, after they got married, it's like, well, I never knew he did. I'm like, well, I saw him doing it. So I don't know what you didn't see. You know, I saw him Mm -hmm. acting that way and you didn't Mm -hmm. see it. So people don't want to face themselves because the book is really literally telling you to face yourself. You know, you can't walk around and pretend after, you know, the the marriage and the the wedding and all that good stuff that you didn't see those faults. It's just that you choose to overlook them. So it was kind of mixed mm-hmm. reviews. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. definitely agree with that. I think that when you're in a relationship, any kind of relationship, me personally, I got to see you. And I don't mean just see you, your exterior. I have to see, I got to see your soul. I have to see you, you and, and all your flaws. And right. that lets you know if you can continue. Because sometimes you might see something and be like, I did not see, I didn't, wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it with my own two eyes. But I saw that. I see you. I saw you. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times it allows you to avoid certain situations and certain relationships. You know what I'm saying? If if they got anger issues, those are some of the things that you're supposed to look for. So you can be like, you right. have anger, anger issues. That is not my ministry. You know what I'm saying? But we don't do that <laughs> as women. We we, we go with we the don't. potential. Oh, he has so much potential. Oh, he's so this, he's so that. He's just a little rough around the edges, girl bad. Ain't nobody got to But you know what? That. I think men do that too. I think, I think we all have a, a way of doing that I think men have a tendency to see a beautiful woman and he will overlook her flaws um Mm -hmm. I think women have a way of looking at a a handsome man who might be good in the bedroom and we'll we will definitely overlook some flaws you know so it's kind of like we're (laughs) we're both guilty of it you know we will overlook Mm -hmm. some stuff if we're really feeling that person, but if you're honest with yourself, I always say, you know, when people go and they're creating children together, you, when, especially as it relates to that, getting married and creating children, those are two permanent, should be permanent situations that you put yourself in. So you have to look Mm -hmm. at the people that you're getting involved with, because this is a potential person that's going to either be raising your children or responsible for you if something was to happen to you. And if they are not meeting up to that, then I definitely say walk away. That's how I look at it. 
Mm, that's interesting. Uh, this is Tony um, Casey. I want to just go back to what you were talking about, the book that you wrote. And um, it's interesting, the, the perception for both men and women, but sometimes authors write from one point of view and a reader may see it from another. But do you mm-hmm. think that they were each seeing it as point of view because it was just too close to the truth and they didn't want to, you know, to, to realize it or bring it just to face it? Sometimes. I think as a writer, I touch on some subjects that, um, and I touch on, like, I write in different points of view. So if I have three characters, I give you each of those characters' points of view. And parts of myself is in each character's point of view. Um, So I have, you know, where I've written from a male perspective, I've written from, you know, female perspective. So Sometimes we don't want to face the truth about ourselves. And sometimes as a writer, we're, we feel free to write parts of ourselves down in character mm-hmm. form, um, mm-hmm. but we're sharing parts of ourselves with people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's more therapeutic as well, at least for the, the author that is writing it, because you're getting it out, you know, you're getting it out of your system. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You have definitely given us some food for thought, and I so love this title, Your Man, Your Husband, My Man. Make sure you guys get to one clicking. But before you leave the chat room, Casey, can you just shout out your social media sites and anything that you may be having uh, coming up that our listeners can come out and support you? Yes, thank you. Um, well, my social media on social media, I'm under Casey author Casey Blaze on Facebook. Um, my Twitter handle is at two six Casey Blaze. Um, I can be found on UrbanFictionNews.com. If you guys want any information on publishing the publishing industry, I can be reached there. Um, okay. I believe that's all of my all of my handles that I, I'm actively on as far as social mm-hmm. media goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's what you asked, right? I'll just throw my social right. media yes. handle. Okay. <laughs> and if you have any, do you have any upcoming events? events? Uh-huh. Well, I actually do. I'm currently about to, pretty soon, I'm almost done working on one of my next books that's called Loyalty at All Costs, and it's the mm-hmm. Portia and Rain story. I think that's going to blow your husband, my man, out of the water. I'm super excited about it. So that's going to be <laughs> wow. coming out pretty soon as well. Um mm-hmm. I'm ex- I'm very excited. When I say excited about this story, I really am excited about it. Um, he can hear and it. <laughs> so I know. I'm, I love it. I love the characters in this story. I get to have fun with them, so I'm excited about that. And that's going to be coming out um, pretty soon as well. And just look for me. I'm going to be writing screenplays soon. I'm trying to, in the next five years, I plan on being a household name, and that's just where it's at. Right now, I hear you, girl. I know, you know that's right. Welcome. Yes, you speak that thing. You gotta speak. See, sometimes you got you gotta speak stuff into into existence. So you just go ahead and speak mm-hmm. that thing on out there. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. that's how I live my life. I literally call <laughs> call upon things that I want, um, mm-hmm. and I, I claim it until it's so. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you have a home here on this chat. If you want to. Get anything out, anything new coming out, you just let us know, and we'll make it happen. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I'm very excited to have been here, and thank you again for the opportunity. Okay, thanks for joining us, Casey. You have a great evening. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody.
Okay, bye bye. Oh, I love her passion and her energy. Oh, and yes, I'm, I'm still getting over that title, girl. <laughs> I love it. And that's this is why we do what we do. This is exactly why we do what we do. I love mm-hmm. to, to feel an author's passion in their pen when I'm reading their work. But what if it's somebody who's never read their work before? I love right. to hear their passion. I love to hear why they do what they do. And I love to hear that they're more excited about their work than you are. That yes. makes readers more excited to know that the author is just not putting out no no blinky-dink uh, stuff all willy-nilly. Like, they're mm-hmm. feeling this. And it, yes. it makes and you can readers hear her excitement. excitement. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. hear her excitement about the characters, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that, this right here is the example of why we do what we do. I love it. I love her passion. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It is so awesome. We're going to take a brief break, and then we will come back with our next guest, author Courtney Irving. Okay. Uh Let's listen to a little bit of Xavier Lewis, Georgia Clay. Busting my tail on a nine to five Just to keep up, try to stay alive Promise my lady we gon' be alright She be crying while she praying for a better life Hustling on the side for a bag of rice Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay Gotta stay searching for a better day Gotta keep my faith to make a way Gotta get extended so the gas can pay Sweet Georgia, hold me down Keep my feet planted on solid ground From the New York home to the Florida shine Up to the Maryland D.C. line Back down South Red From the burdens laid, darkest roots from mistakes I made. Sweet Georgia, hold me down. Keep my feet planted on solid ground. Tell me why do I have to cry? Georgia Clay. Hey, I'm 
are now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest right and right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Yes, we are back. We are back. This is Chad. I'm Alicia. You know, I'm here with my right hand, the fabulous Miss Tony. We're talking that talk about pill stroke. Yes. One. Mm-hmm. Author K.C. Baylor, K.C. Blaze, if you missed that interview, make sure you hit our archives. Let's catch it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting yeah, for our next guest to stroll on in here. Yes, Miss Courtney Irving. Hey, Courtney, how are you? I'm doing good. Hi, Courtney. Hi, how are you? We are good, thank you. So for those listeners that are not uh, familiar with you or your work, can you just give us a little bit about you as well as your literary journey? Um, I'm currently a 19-year-old writer. I just released my first debut book series in March, and then I released my second one this month. Um, I go to I go to Bakersfield College where I study psychology. I've always loved to write, and it's just a real good feeling that I actually did something that I always wanted to accomplish. Oh, so you're a college student. Yes. <laughs> All right now, congrats. And how are you able to handle college life and being an author? That that can be a little tedious sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, especially when especially working two jobs too, so it's oh. all about finding the perfect. It's like finding the balance, really, to it. I just try to get whenever I have a break, I try to get as much writing as I possibly can, really. Mhm. Absolutely. And, and by and by you being a student, how how much time do you and you know in one sitting do you devote to writing? Um, I try to do like an hour. I'm really a night owl, so sometimes I'm still up to like one or two, so. I'll go ahead and just write a couple of chapters. Like, I'll try to at least write, like, two chapters a day. Okay. Absolutely. Now, you just had part two of your series released. Is that correct? Yes. Now, tell us a little bit about what can be expected um, in this second part of the series. And the second part of the series, you can find out about Casey and her love life, how she's dealing with how she's dealing with finding out her boyfriend who she's been with since high school has cheated on her with someone she thought she really can trust, just trying to pick up the pieces, and she's trying to figure out whether she should for like forgive and forget, or should she just go ahead and move on with her life with this new guy that she has met. Mm. Absolutely. And how did you come up with the concept for, uh, for your book, Blinded by His Love? Well, for me, I had, like, my first heartbreak in my first semester of college, and I feel like as girls and young women, we all have that little moment where you're blinded by someone because you're used to seeing what you want to see, and you don't really listen to your family or your friends that are telling you, you know, you know better. And so I feel like just writing something and along those lines of telling you how love can it's not always, you know, a walk in the park, how you learn a lesson from it sometimes. Mm. 
that's kind of like what we were just discussing with our last uh, guest, Bruce, you know, seeing things through rose-colored lenses. Oh, yes, you can definitely we do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then we were, yeah, because a lot of times, especially as women, we look at the surface um, and we say, oh, he has potential. Like we, we, we like avoid the stop signs instead of being able to say, I see you. Because even if they have mm-hmm. potential, if you see them, like you have to see them, that you you'll avoid a lot of different things because you can say, mm-hmm. "Oh no, I actually see you." Oh, I see you clearly, and right. I don't know if this is gonna be my ministry or not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you gotta pick and choose your ministries. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you tell us a, a little bit about why you got into writing? I mean, is it something that you picture yourself doing as you were growing up? Yes. Even when I was in middle school, I would always write little stories and books. And my friend Tracy, who actually has her own series out, she's the one who introduced me to the publisher who I'm under, Lucinda John. And she was like, hey, you've always been writing, like, might as well get actually do something let the world actually see what you're doing it would just be i let my friends read it and then i'll write another one and then call it a day (laughs) interesting interesting. now now can you tell us about any new projects that you're working on how many books do you write at one time um, I'm actually trying to write another one now. I just think this one is going to be a standalone. And mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to just venture out in as much as I can right now. My aunt's trying to convince me to do modeling, but I feel like that isn't for me right now. Oh. <laughs> so you kind of know what you you kind of know what you want to what you want to do with your life and modeling is not one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I've just never been one to just want to pose in front of the camera. She says I'm photogenic, but I'm just like, mm, I, that's not my passion. <laughs> now, how has, being a new author, how have you been receptive to your reviews? How 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 are you taking your reviews, and what have they been like? Actually, majority of them that I have received, they've been positive, and even if they were negative. I'm always mm-hmm. been, you know, open to hear criticism because I took AP English and my teacher, she was very hard on me because she's like, I see the potential. So it helped me a lot when someone says no or like, hey, this was, you know, part wasn't as good or if it started slow to someone, then, you know, I put that in my mind, like for the next book. I take it into consideration. Mm-hmm. Now how how do you how do you do how do you take the social media with you? How do you work the social media and stay out of all the negativity that goes on sometimes with social media? How do you keep grounded with that? Um, basically, I just choose to ignore it. I just know like if some if someone's actually for me, if they genuinely are supporting me, I can kind of get that feeling. And if I feel that you don't, but you're like trying to. I'll just go ahead and, you know, play along or whatever and say thank you, but then I won't, like, you know, actually go out of my way and talk to you. But if 
they're giving me, like, positive feedback and they're saying this. I try my best to interact and say, like, thank you. I appreciate you for actually taking mm-hmm. out the time, you know, and reading. I'm not, like, a drama person. So I try my best to, like, ignore it. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. I play along. I like that, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what is there anything that you have written that maybe you didn't particularly care for? Um, when I first was writing Blinded by His Love to Part 2, my publisher, I had sent her, like, um, a little sample of it. She liked it, but once I reread it and stuff, I didn't care for it. So that's why this one took, like, a little bit longer to write for me. Because if it's not, if it's not, I'm a very picky reader. So if I know I don't like it, then I'm pretty sure someone else, you know, wouldn't like it. So mm-hmm. it's been times where I have written stuff and I'm like, mm, no, Courtney, stop. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how many books do you, I'm sorry, T, how long do you take in between before you drop each book? Like, is there, like, Um, a few months? Is there, like, six months? Is there every year? How many, how much time in between your books do you give? I try to do at least two to three months because you don't want them, since by me being a new author out there, it's very and it's very competitive, so you don't want to take like six, almost a year to write another book because by that time, for like for me, if I read someone else's series and if they're taking a long time, I forget that the next part came out and I'm like, oh, and then so I try my best to at least do two to three months. Mm, that's interesting because I read a book once and part two didn't come out to like maybe six seven years later, so you kind of you're right, they kind of fall to the wayside and you forget all about it and then you have to try to reread the story and figure out why you liked it in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) But, Connie, this is Tony once again. Can you tell us passions that you have outside of literature? What 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 are you passionate about? My passion is for children. I work for a, a school district as a sub and I just love working with kids if they have special needs, especially I have a nephew who's autistic. And so Mm -hmm. I'm, like, very passionate about, like, you know, helping out someone who really needs more attention. And Mm -hmm. even if it's, like, simple things as when my nephew says my name or getting him to do something that he's not comfortable doing, it brings me, like, the greatest feeling in the world. Like, I just accomplished something. And to hear some of my students say, oh, Miss I, like, we love you. We wish you were permanent. It feels good to me, like, just knowing that you're making a difference in someone else's life. I even had one of my students tell me, Miss I, you give me so much confidence. And I feel like that just brightened up my whole day. I was like, come here, just give me a hug. I feel like, you know, good. <laughs> mm. You know, that's why we do this, right, Lisa? Because right. we get to hear the passion, and we heard that passion uh, within your voice. So this is this is what we do, and we love what we do, right, Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Now, if you could give advice uh, to an aspiring writer or, you know, somebody that's thinking about it or they're coming out with their first book, you know, what are some of the things that you would tell them? I would tell them that 
just because someone might not say yes right away, you don't give up. You keep doing, you keep trying. Sometimes you have to read, like, what what people are looking for and that you never lose yourself into what others doing, even if, because I know some people like just to read about, like, drugs and stuff and drugs. You don't have to just do that. Just find your passion. Just do what you love without losing yourself into it into this industry. That's right. Now, do you read other authors? Who who do you like to read? Um, I like to read um a, I like to read this author, Diamond Johnson, Casey Mills. I like Lucinda John's books. I'm just Lee Daniels books. I'm a Carl Weber. I just love reading in general. You give me a book and it's good. I'm I'll try to read it all night if I can. <laughs> <laughs> And I once you get started, if it's good, you could just keep on going. But as a new yes. author, as a new author, what has been the hardest lesson that you've learned? Um, the hardest lesson I have learned is not to take everything you know so personally. Because I've seen where like people who you think will support you is not always going to support you. I have like mm-hmm. realized that. Oh, they'll be proud for you. They'll say they're proud for you. But at the same time, like, you can just sense it, like, um, whatever, like, she's better or whatever. So mm-hmm, I just learned mm-hmm. to take it with a, you know, grain of salt and, you know, not think too personally into it. That's a hard lesson to learn right there because, you know, like you say, you can feel whether it's genuine or not. Yes. I even had, like, family who I sensed it from, and I was just like, oh, okay. Mhm. And in that same vein, who has been one of your biggest supporters? The biggest supporter has been, I would say, my mom and my sisters. They're all on social media promoting just as hard. My mom's not even an Internet person, and she's all on her Facebook sharing. <laughs> she's saying, how do I post this? How do I post that? My sisters, they're... My sister, she's an Instagram person, so she's all over there telling her friends, hey, buy my sister's book, y'all, like, and all that. So it's, <laughs> they're my biggest supporters. So That's awesome. There's nothing like true family that's giving you awesome support. Oh, and they Absolutely. Have. <laughs> now, what are some of the challenges, challenges, um, you would say that you run into with going to school and um, writing your book? Because I think a lot of times people have a hard time, especially newer authors, have a hard time with that balance. Yes, the hardest thing is having two papers or three papers due for psychology, having to study different terms, and then having to... And then you, in the back of your mind, you have this storyline that you're like, oh, I have to write this down. It's so important. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I have over a 500-page essay due. I have 500 words I have to write. It is basically during that break time, I try to give myself an hour from homework. So I, in that hour, I'm trying to, like, mash in a couple of wor- words. And for the story, so I won't forget, I'm trying to write it, scribble it down, write it in my memos or on my notes. So just finding the key to where you can just take a break and just sit back and actually 
like, hey, I got this done. Or sometimes I'll try to get as many assignments as I can done early so that I have some time to write. So that way I'm not rushing at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely understand mm-hmm. that. Now, who yes. are some of your um, biggest critics? And what is some of the toughest criticisms you've received um, in your literary journey? Um one of my critics would be, I would say, is my publisher and my best friend, Christian. Those two are like, <laughs> they'll tell you the truth. My publisher, when I first submitted um, my stenosis, she was like, hey, it starts off slow. Like, um, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but, hey, you just change. Like, you drew me in, and then you started off slow, and it got boring. And then he was like, well, I think you should change this, or I think you need to change that. And my friend Christian, he's, like, hard, so he's, like, you need to change this. This sucks, Courtney. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, he'll tell me the truth. So I feel mm-hmm. like those two are, mm-hmm. like, they're not just telling me what I want to hear. You need people like that in your life. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um. Where do you see you going with this? I mean, do you feel that you can make a a career as an author? What is your vision for your pen? My vision, I hope to be on the New York Best Time Selling Author list. That's my number one goal. I want to just write as many books as I can. You know, just to, you know, I want someone else to feel the same excitement about reading as I got when I was younger or, or and that I still do get sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. I just because I feel like as our generation we don't like to read. Like even my nephews' age, they don't want to read, and I just want someone you know to pick up a book and like, hey, like this is good. Like I want to read someone else. Maybe another book is just as good, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's good. And you know, now this you know, you're not that far. Oh, ahead. No, I was going to say, you're not that far removed from the generation where everything is so instant, but do you find that people in that area, like you said, they don't like to read because everything is instant. It's such a joy to pick up a book and just get lost in it. Yes, and they don't understand it. I'm like, as a kid, I would get in trouble. You could ask my mom. I would be in the, and underneath the blankets, with a little flash sneak and read and I have to wake up for school at six o'clock in the morning and she's like we can, to that. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely relate to that, right, Lee? Oh yes we can. <laughs> <laughs> days. You forget sleep so quickly. <laughs> now you said that your passion is children. Do you see yourself writing a children's book in the future? Yes, I really do. I did one for my art project in my junior year of high school, and I did it. The main character wasn't about an autistic kid, and that was my, like, it felt good because I kept it just in case for when my nephew gets older, he can go back and read it. So I feel I could do that one day. Oh, that would be so special. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But, Connie, we have so enjoyed you here on Let's Chat. Uh, just give a shout-out to all your social media sites and anything new, and uh, hopefully you'll be doing your first book signing soon. So let us know what's going on with you. 
I will do that. You can follow me on Facebook at Courtney Irving, Instagram underscore Trinidad Gal, and Twitter at Imperfect underscore T. All right. And when 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 is your new book coming out? Hopefully soon. I'm I've been actually writing it lately. <laughs> okay. Well, we look for it on the horizon. But once again, thank you so much for joining Alicia and I here on Let's Chat. Thank you. I enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're very well, we welcome. appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Have a you too. Okay, good night. Good night. Love it, love it. She's so sweet. Yes, another good interview. And I I love the fact that she is in school and she's still staying focused to do, you know, what she has to do. And she incorporates our our topic in so many ways, that pen stroke, because she still Mm -hmm. makes sure that she brings it um, when she's writing. So mm-hmm. I, I loved that. I loved what she said. You know, I didn't too much like that, so I changed it. I just love that. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> We're going to take fair. a brief break, and then we will come back with our fabulous Nika Michelle. What are okay. we talking about? Book talk and that pen stroke uh, with okay. this fabulous author. You've been down for it all When all the wrong It don't matter if I'm ever blaming 
alright, alright, alright. Yeah. Hey, we are back. We are back. This is a chat. I'm Miss Felicia, and I'm here with the fabulous Miss Tony. We talking that talk about pin stroke. We had two fabulous guests. One, author Casey Deller and author Courtney Irving. If you missed those interviews, make sure you hit our archives up um, and check them out. Awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome passion that, that you can feel and hear coming from the author. Now we have the fabulous Nika Michelle. This this author right here is the author of Forbidden Fruit. And her newest book, uh, or we'll say love tale, urban love tale, is Pistol Grip. Hey, Nika, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Hey, Nika. Hi, how are you? We are good. We are good. Happy for you to join us. I'm happy to join you. I'm hoping my little mouthy dog will stop barking in the background. I'll be like, shh, shh. (laughs) We can't hear it. Okay, good, We can't hear it. We we, we wouldn't have known if you wouldn't have said nothing. (laughs) We didn't know. She's quiet now. What do we just say? <laughs> yes, we are excited to have you on. Not because you do stroke your pen. Your pen is dynamite. But I love the post that you put up about uh a writing tip for authors. Tell us what made you write that because not only are you an author, you're an editor as well. And that's partly part of the reason I get a lot of um that wasn't even for seasoned authors. Even although I feel like some seasoned authors even no matter how seasoned we are, we still need tips. So I'm, I take tips from anybody. But at the same time, I have a lot of authors who are interested in writing and they don't know how to begin or they don't really know how to, you know, make it flow. So in my process of editing sometimes, I see a lot of redundancy. And it makes me, as an editor, I'm not reading for entertainment, but I can imagine a reader reading for entertainment, how they would probably get tired of seeing the same repetition. So I just thought it would be interesting, you know, to share that with other authors, that it's not always a good idea to even not just in the beginning of your sentences with um, he said, she said, or the subject's name. Sometimes the said, the saying said, 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 he said, she said, that's redundant a lot as well. So just to see variations in sentences will keep readers more interested in continuing the story because it can be a good story, but the flow can mess it up. You know, I mean, you are readers, so you are authors as well, readers. So you, we do both. All authors start out as readers, so we never mm-hmm. forget what a good book should sound like. Or, you know, when you are into a good book, you like that it's painting pictures with the words, not just telling you but showing you what's going mm-hmm, on in the story. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can feel it. Like when you right. I feel it more opposed to you saying she gripped. Gripping mm-hmm. the steering wheel, you know, right there you know and, and I think mm-hmm. that authors have to have that confidence about, confidence about themselves. And they have to ask right. really part of our topic today, pen stroke. When you have confidence, mm-hmm. you already know that the reader is pulled into your story. They're wrapped right. into that character. So you don't have to say she said, he said, he said, she did. Right. When you say gripping that steering wheel, I'm automatically like, ooh, this is about to yeah. go down. You know, and See? I love that. I love it. Pull See? me in. 
show me right. and not just show and tell, but I need some action and emotion in here. That's what I was you know, say. action the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, do you got a crease in your forehead? I mean, is the thing popping out? What's going on? Why are you ripping the steering wheel so tight? It, it makes yeah. the readers excited. Exactly. I'm sorry, so you I'm like you, you have to paint those words. You say stroke that pen, like you said. That's true. I mean, like you, you can lose a very good story by not painting pictures because these are just words, and so you have to be creative with them, and you have to really play with them. Absolutely. And as as authors, I think we sometimes we get so stuck on trying to get the story out that we forget that we're painting a picture. This is not a movie, so you have to keep the readers engaged. So it's very important Absolutely. to really grip them. Grip them. That's why I wrote pistols grip. Grip the readers. <laughs> <laughs> now, me and T was just talking about this uh, earlier today. Yesterday. Was it yesterday, mm-hmm. T? We were talking about this. And we were talking about paperbacks and mm-hmm. how thin they have gotten. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Mine have gotten thinner, I must admit, <laughs> mm-hmm. over the years. What? Well, um, I think the ebook market did that and the monetary gain that you get for such a thick book is not matching um uh, the work that we do. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. um when I first started Forbidden Fruit, those books are very thick, um very mm-hmm. long, very full length novels and I had to sell the first forbidden fruit for ninety nine cents just to get people to read it. Initially on ebook it was five ninety nine, but I think I sold four books in six months. So mm-hmm. everybody, you know, kinda kinda hate the ninety nine cent thing. I mean what author would want to do that, but this is the market now and you have to compete. So I think as time goes on you just realize as an author if I have to put out a ninety nine cent book then it's not going to be 70,000 words anymore. It's going to be a little mm-hmm. bit thinner. So, unfortunately, that's where it's come to. But I've also learned that it's not about the fluff anymore either. So mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of label dropping and things that take up all those words anyway. So for 40,000 words, you might have a thinner book, but you have straight story. No mm-hmm. name brand clothing. I'm not describing an outfit. I'm not naming. I'm not telling you about a trip to the mall. It's just straight drama. So four to forty thousand, forty five thousand. I never write less than that. So it's never wow. gonna be a short, short story. And like I said, it's no fluff. No, it's just mm-hmm. meat and potatoes. So mm-hmm. even though it looks thinner, in my forbidden fruit days, I was more of a fluff author. I would admit I was new, and so I didn't know. I was going by what I saw my predecessors doing, and I saw a lot of label dropping and sister soldiers. Um, book of Fly Girl. It was a lot of reference to Gucci and a lot of name mm-hmm. brands. So I thought that was the urban genre. I thought those things were important. But now, you know, as you go on, you listen to the readers, and the readers are like, I really don't care about what the outfits look like. I really would just like to get the story. So mm-hmm. I think as an author, you learn to stop doing that. And people think mm-hmm. you do it for word count, but I didn't even know what word count was. I was just writing it first. So. Nothing I did mm-hmm. was full word count or to fill up anything because your first novel you don't even know it's getting published. So I didn't mm-hmm. even care about a word count. I wrote it on paper. So I didn't know mm-hmm. how many words I had until I typed it and I realized I had seventy five, eighty thousand words for my first novel, which 
it's pretty decent size, and to have mm-hmm. to sell it for less than a dollar, it's kind of disheartening. Mm-hmm. But wow, you know, <laughs> you, you said a lot, Nika. This is Tony, and um, hey, yo, Tony. you said a lot. Hey, sweetie, you said a lot that just kind of makes me sit back and say, you know, she's speaking truth because, mm-hmm. with, as far as those label dropping, sometimes you don't even know what what it looks like or what right. it smells like, what it costs. And right. So that's really just unnecessary space being taken up, and I'd rather get mm-hmm. to the meat and potatoes of a story. Right. So you are right on point. Learning something. Right, I'm learning. <laughs> no problem. I'm learning as I go. And so that's mm-hmm. what those tips are for. And I think as time goes on, I will keep sharing things like that, like taking the fluff out of the book. Like you said, nobody mm-hmm. really cares about those labels. It's understandable that you want to paint the picture that these people are wealthy. So to say one thing, maybe re- refer to one bag, that would mm-hmm. paint the picture. Maybe one nice car reference in a full book. That's okay. We see that they they have BMWs. Okay, they're rich. We get it. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. to drive the nail into the wall so hard with describing every outfit or every pair of Jordans or every vehicle. You know, that's really not, like she said, <laughs> it really does not matter to the story. It really doesn't. So mm-hmm. leave the visual for the Absolutely. words, creating the pictures instead of using the label drop-in and yeah, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Give me some meat and potatoes. Absolutely. Yeah, no fillers. We like now, meat and potatoes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what can we expect in pistol, pistol script? What, what, are, what pistol are some of the things that we can look forward to with that Nika Michelle heat? With pistol script, is is very, very personal. I think um, – I kind of try to portray more realistic characters in this book. I'm I'm usually writing about the kingpin and the girl who always has to have the nice things and her hair done and the makeup and the face beat. But this time I decided, you know, I'm not that girl. So, I mean, mm-hmm. let me write about somebody that, these, you know, you can relate to. So this character is just a regular everyday girl with regular everyday problems who fell for a regular guy who just got into a lot of trouble and now he's a fugitive. And he's um, in Atlanta running from the feds because he did some things for what most of us would think is a valid reason. So kind of like the Robin Hood type of character, but he's the black Robin Hood. So Mm -hmm. he's pretty much, um, he sees this girl and he feels something when he first sees her. And when he sees her in a compromising position, he puts himself in a position to save her which I wouldn't want to say it's the so-called Captain Save-A-Hole book because I, I hear that reference a lot, but it's mm-hmm. more of the one when the person needs you, sometimes they're put in place to be there for you. So it's kind of like they exactly. do for each other. You know, it's not a lopsided thing. He's not just saving her. She's saving him as well. So it's like two lost souls who find each other in a very chaotic world. And they seem to fall in love and make it work. We're like, all this crazy stuff going around them, there's so much passion. And I read the reviews and I get feedback from the readers. It really, like, melts my heart to know that I'm writing another good love story after Forbidden Fruit because I kind of was like, okay, I need another really good, really good love story. Well, so I think Now it's a competition. You was in competition with yourself. She was like, and man, I'm going to have to do some things. I'm going to have to do some things. I can't just be put out there like that. What can I do? Because that, that series was like, 
and now yeah, you like I see you fruit. like competing. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do to step it up? I gotta step it up now. Mm-hmm. I gotta step it up. I don't want to repeat exactly. the story, but I have to make the next story better. I definitely, exactly. definitely, definitely can feel you and on I that. Actually, now you I actually had to put forbidden fruit, some um, sneak some cameos in there from forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. So. Readers can look forward oh, to you that. Stop and it. Now I'm about to get my long clip on right now. You know I love me tomorrow, blow. They don't come into book two. So in book one, you won't see them yet, but book two and three. And three will be the finale. I will not be carrying this as far as forbidden fruit. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, That's I don't exactly think I'll be doing there. I'm about to be like, I'm about to get my mom to on right now. Now, you put a book <laughs> out uh, last winter called The Pug's Daughter. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that series. That was another love story. Um, that was the the guy who's been in love with they were little kids and knew that she was off limits. And then 10 years later, they see each other again. And it's like she has a lot of crazy stuff going on that she's kind of. And he's not a dramatic guy with a crew and going around killing. He's not that dude. He's just sell a little weed and go to college. So it's kind of like he's just pulled into her crazy, chaotic world and it's only two books in that one. I had a few people asking for a part three, but I'm like, some things, you know, have to come to an end, y'all. I didn't learn that with Forbidden Fruit. I kept it going. I think Forbidden Fruit has, like, ten books if you count Love in the A and the Reunion. And now they're in Plug's Daughter, so I guess. Not Plug's Daughter. Now they're in Pistol's Grip, so I guess they won't ever go away. But Plug's Daughter was really fun to write. Um, that was a little bit different for me. I stepped a little bit outside of my usual box with that book. It's a little bit mm-hmm. different. Mm. So I, I had a thing for love stories lately, but I'm thinking I'm done with the love stories for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> the <Pistons> <laughs> <were straight. laughs> well, I just want to say, you know, for all those that didn't click that five ninety nine forbidden fruit, they they don't know. I, I paid <laughs> twice as much for a good book. That is my introduction to Nika Michelle, and that was before social media. So I just came across you, girl, and I – Love that, that series as well, and uh, so it sounds like that. yeah, Pistol Grip is just right up there. You know, that's just Nika Michelle at her best. So I'm looking forward to it as well. <laughs> I really want to get y'all feedback. I, when y'all read that, I really want to come back on the show and talk to y'all about it because this book, I even have like family members who who never read are reading this one, and it's like my brother who never reads. Like I really like this book. And then my sister, I don't think she's read anything since Forbidden Fruit. And she, too, last night and called me like, you got to finish part three. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, this book must really be pretty decent. So I'm really loving the feedback. And I'm really hoping that this turns into something, maybe a movie or something. I really wanted to do that with Forbidden Fruit. But who knows mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. in the cards. But I really do appreciate y'all, like, picking up Forbidden Fruit. Well, I just one click. Absolutely. Well, I just one click. You know, we right. get our one click. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we do reviews as well. Uh, we do the WRP Diva reviews. So we're going to add that to our list uh, of books okay. to review. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. You know we got you, girl. So we did get, a, <laughs> we did get our one click on one. Yeah, yes, you, you mentioned did. the album, and I was like, oh. 
Yes, he popped his butt up in the story. He was getting jealous. Those girls, those um, readers were like, oh, God, I love Pistol. And um, Diablo was in my head like, what? They love who? <laughs> you got to get some of this. <laughs> Let me get some of this. They, they um, love me. Game. <laughs> right, right. It was uh, I'm going to take care of this. This right, is not about like, to happen. They love me. <laughs> Yes, we say like they love me. They love Polo Loco. You cannot be playing. Who is a pistol? Oh, whatever else you write, you can write what you want to write. But oh, they loving me at all times. I swear, y'all, these characters really be having a mind of their own. Like for real, like for real, for real. Like it really was his voice. But I've been hearing it for a long time, y'all, since I was like. 20 years old, I'm almost 37. So Diablo's been a part of me for 17 years. So he ain't going nowhere. This dude really be in my head like, you think you're not writing about me? We're about to get another book. Y'all hear that? Yeah, well, mark my words, y'all. We're about to get another forbidden fruit. Watch. Watch. I give her one year. One year. We're going to have a. She'll be like, it'll still sit on my mind. company and I'm kind of going to be like working with him on that like bringing in mm-hmm. some new office I'm like well it might just be a forbidden fruit book who knows but the characters are mm-hmm. so old now and I keep hearing a lot of nah, you know, no they're not old they never get old we never get tired okay I don't want to be writing about the kids like that because I, I be getting a lot of backlash to you know us writing about the kids like nobody want to read about the kids and I'm like, where the kids be having drama too, y'all? Like, they're not little kids. I'm not writing about 10-year-olds. They are old enough. But I get that. They're like, okay, y'all, stop writing about the kids. So I'm like, well, stop. Diablo and Yana are like 40. Okay, they can still get that groove on. They can still get that groove on. Yes, he can still get that groove on. That's that mature groove. Because I'm like, I'm boring and I'm 40. Yeah, because Diablo is a problem. Yes, if it's a problem, I'm quite sure he can handle it. (laughs) Yes. Captain Diablo is definitely a hero type of character now. He turned into Mm. a good guy. I'm glad I evolved him into a nun. He is good father, husband, because he was horrible in that first book. I swear. (laughs) Yeah, yes, he was. (laughs) He, he was, he was, but we still love the hot ass mess. Yes, he was, yes, but he we love all the hot ass flaws about him. Yes, we did. Aww. We did. He, he, he we was that character. to love, though. Even though he had his stuff with him, I had to say that I respected him as a man because every time he got caught up in something, he humbled himself. A lot of men don't mm. get humbled. They, he was cocky, but mm-hmm. if y'all are leaving him, he would humble himself like, okay, I messed up. I'm sorry. I got to do something. I can't let it go. He would not let that It's so funny. We just mm-hmm. talked about this, about seeing. You know, when women, we get so caught up in potential sometimes, we don't actually see that person, and they don't actually right. see you. And a lot of times men take for granted. They take that for granted. And when mm-hmm. she's about to go, like, mm-hmm. when you know you done messed up, you start acting five, and she about to go, 
reunion, which um, continued the Forbidden Fruit series. I did love in the A, one through four, which continued the story with Diablo's son, Zion, and his girlfriend, Mackie. And then we did the reunion, which put them back with Diablo and Yana. So I kind of put a reunion of Forbidden Fruit and Love in the A. So I did two mm-hmm. books, that's the reunion one and two. Um, then I did what I already said, Pimp and Pump. Recently, about a year ago, I put out a standalone called That D on the Side. I got a lot of backlash mm-hmm. about that title, but it's a really good story <laughs> about infidelity. So it was oh. it's not as ratchet as it may sound. It's actually no ratchet characters. There's no drug dealing. It's no gangster stuff. It's actually professional people in that book. So maybe I cursed myself with the title. I don't know. Um, oh. <laughs> that's pretty much the Pistols Group series. Um, I did Pimp and Pop for that Rube Boy. In Love with the Rube Boy, that's a collaboration with Raquel Williams. Um, it, that's an international story about um, a young lady who goes to Jamaica and falls in love with a married man. Um, mm-hmm. That one's available as well. Um, as far as social media, I'm always available on Facebook. Um, when y'all read Pistons Group, I'm open for the inboxes. I get a lot of inboxes throughout the day when people are reading Pistons Group. There'd be several mm-hmm. different things. It could be happy inboxes. Sometimes they're pissed <laughs> off inboxes, but I'm always open. That's that ultimate reader, girl. <laughs> yes, it'd be like misery. Like one girl was like, where you live at? I'm coming to get you. I'm like, oh, God, please. I'm turning my location off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn my location off on my phone so she find me. Um, I know, right? <laughs> and I don't really tweet that much, but I am on Twitter, um, Urban Literis. I'm on Instagram as author Nico Michelle. So pretty much I'm always I'm always available to contact me. Um, as far as the literary ladies of the ATL, that consists of myself, um, Kenny York. And um, K.S. Oliver, also um, Miss Kiera Petty, who's also an author, but she's in California right now, so she's kind of like our extended member. But we're really mm-hmm. just, you know, we had a vision to, like, expose the life of authors, female authors in Atlanta, who how, you know, we work and balance a social life and trying to continue to make it in this crazy literary world. So the initial plan was to do a reality show, and so we're kind of working on that now. So hopefully we'll have something to present to the readers and people who are interested in how authors live. We're not rich people. You know, we're everyday, regular people, just like everybody else. So we kind of just invite the readers into our world. But we're not just a group of women. We're actually really good friends. So we Mm -hmm. show our friendship as well. You know, this is not just something we just fake for a show because we kind of let the show concept go a little bit because life started happening. But, of course, we kept our friendships, so we're mm-hmm. very close. So I think people need to see that women can get together and do business and be friends and not be catty. I mean, we're not going to have drama. We're fighting each other and fussing. You know, I mean, it can be positive black women exposed to other black women to see that we mm-hmm. sometimes we can get along. You're not always decent. Absolutely. And do you have any signage? Are you going to be at the Hall of Book Fair this year? 
I am still on the fence about Harlem. I have planned on going at first, and then I planned on not going, and now I'm kind of leaning back towards going. So mm-hmm. you might see me there. Even if I don't have a table set up, I still may be there with some books, like a little, um, <laughs> they call it Nomad <laughs> bag or something. <laughs> so I might, but I will definitely. And um, I will be at the kickback here in in Clarkston. I think um, five, five, six book chicks are doing that one. I think that's in October, and that's here in Clarkston. So I'll be doing that. I think it's – I don't know if that one already happened yet, but I knew it was something supposed to be in Valdosta. I don't know if they already had that one because I had heard about it, had got some info about it, but I didn't see anything else about it. I'm like, I don't know. Okay, we lost you when you were saying you're going to be at something, so I wanted to make sure we our listeners heard what, what you said when we were okay. talking about the Harlem Books there. So we lost that connection. Okay, so um, I still i am really on the fence about Harlem. Can you hear me? Okay, yes. And um, I will definitely be in Memphis in September in Memphis, and I will be here in October at the event in Clarkston, Georgia. It's the um. Book kickback, I think it's five five six book chicks that's sponsoring mm-hmm. that one. So that will be here okay. in October. Okay. I have a quick question for you, Nika. This is Tony. You know, you talked mm-hmm. about the book that D on the side and how the title you may have messed up. So would can you ever would you ever go back and change the title to something that can be put on the shelves of Walmart since it's such if a good I, story? If, if, yeah, if I was to have um, a major um distribution, I would definitely change the title. So that it could go somewhere like Walmart, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about doing that now, but um, mm-hmm. sometimes you run into people buying the book again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking for ebook market, I'll keep it that way. But if I was to pronounce the paperback for major distribution, I would definitely try to think of something. But that was just so fitting to me, like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you do have to make decisions to be more marketable. Yeah. So yeah. I just I'll wanna just make sure that. people get out there and read these these awesome works by you and I don't want the title to hinder anybody from opening up those pages because you really do paint a great story and I just wanna make sure everybody gets a taste of that. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I definitely will be um making it a little bit more susceptible to paperback so people can walk around with it and I feel like, oh, my God, everybody's looking at me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giving them the side eye, right? <laughs> right. You seeing them on the bus or whatever, like, what is she reading? <laughs> but in all actuality, I'm curious about it, too. Like, I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's how I always get some books because I'm when I'm on the train in the morning going back and forth to work, I be checking out what people reading. Then I be like, okay, let me go check Amazon.com. What's that about? Because <laughs> right? it's easier to do it on Kindle because when you're reading on Kindle, nobody knows what you're reading. You can read whatever mm-hmm. and nobody knows. But I understand <laughs> about paperback and then, you know, walking by with your kids. And I understand mm-hmm. that you have to keep things clean. So at least I didn't exactly. say the words. Some people are saying the actual words and stuff. Ooh, honey. Mm-hmm. I did abbreviate it. I did say the honey. <laughs> yes, honey. I seen somebody actually prick I like fill out the words. So I was like, Ooh That's a bit much. Because <laughs> D can actually stand for the the character's name is Devin. And so when I was thinking about it, I was like, Well, he could be D. Or he could be that dude. So 
don't have to look at it that way, like it's that particular word. Because could be, he could be that dude on the side. So maybe I will change it to that dude on the side so it can kind of still have the same ring to it. And it people right. who bought it before would kind of be like, oh, I read that before. Because I don't want people mm-hmm. to buy the same book again. So I might right. just do that. Keep that D in the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep it in there. <laughs> Okay, before I get started, I know Lee's like, oh, no, she get ready to get going. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We truly, <laughs> we truly appreciate you for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you, ladies, for having me because I'm like, oh, oh, I love that my little post got y'all to invite me on the show. I don't think I've done a blog show in a long time, so this is mm-hmm. good, especially talking to you ladies because I go back with y'all to the beginning, to the Forbidden Fruit days. So thank you, ladies, and everybody else who has supported me since those crazy characters came out in 2011. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> so thank and you. And we still love them. We still love them, girl. And if you do make it to the yes, Hollywood Alicia and I are going to be there, so we'll look for okay. you. Okay, sweetheart. I will definitely let y'all know if I'm coming for sure. Okay. Okay, you have a great evening. Thanks again you for joining too. us. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. That wonderful Nika Michelle Leash. I love her. <laughs> yes, I love her because her fashion comes through at all times, not just in her pen, but in any anything that she is doing. So if you missed that mm-hmm. interview, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit the archives. We had three fabulous interviews today: author Casey Baylor or Casey Blaze. Courtney Irving, and, of course, the fabulous Nika Michelle. This is Les Chat. We talked that talk today about that pin stroke. We will see you next week. And we're out. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a great weekend. Good night. Yacht dreams on a sunny day. Six rings like MJ. Yeah. Women. She said she never ever been with a star. So
never been with a star Now I'm an avatar Might need a cab lock Cause I go to war for her Flies in here Acting like nobody knows her Camera start flashing I be like damn girl you blowing up I so you skating on No need I'm hating on you Louis I'm lacing on you Nothing is basic on you Smile on your face Make me say girl you so beautiful What I got in that safe That's only for me and you know Say it, coach, put me in the game. I can see it in your eyes, you still alive. 